Welcome to Moving Panels One Shot. This is a mini episode where my guest and I discuss a single topic that we felt deserved a short conversation. Joining me today is the creator and host of the 80s flick flashback. It's Tim Williams. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me, Laramie. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. I, I had to have Tim back. Um, the <laughs> theme of this one shot is actually going to be for us to discuss what we realized after we recorded our episode on Superman, which if you haven't listened to, go back into the archives and do. We realized there were some scenes and some moments that we could not believe we did not discuss. Right, exactly. And so we're just going to take this one shot to kind of hit uh, some of those moments. And I'm just going to go ahead and kick this off because I so kicked myself later when I was re-watching Superman, when it got to the infamous flight in the air between Superman and Lois, and we, we hit it in our episode, but I, we failed to discuss the dramatic reading, if you will, <laughs> of Lois reading kind of what sounded like a poem. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I did find out it was intended to be a song, but Margot Kidder couldn't sing. Although, even if she could, I, this would still be weird. Oh, wow. They were really swinging for the fences with that, weren't they? Yeah. So, the the can you read my mind moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim, I'm going to let you go ahead and just put in your two cents. What, are, what was your thoughts about the can you read my mind scene smack in the middle of the superhero movie? <laughs> well, it was interesting. That, that whole segment is is interesting um you know of course of course it was cool you know as a kid seeing that scene of course you know him flying around and him going with her but yeah the read by my it, it kind of came out of left field like okay i wasn't expecting that part i mean you know think of her as being a reporter she's curious she's got a curious mind about her so to ask that question is not too off the wall but then to just continue to talk and like you said giving this soliloquy I was like, okay, I, I thought you would have gotten the hint by now. But then when she slips out of his hand, no. that was really that really took me out. I was like, okay, is he com- – I know he's Superman, but is he completely oblivious? Could he not tell that he was losing her grip or she was yeah, losing his grip? This, it's this slow release. Like they're, she's, they're holding each other's forearm, and then they're holding hands, and then they're interlocking fingers, and then it's he's holding on to just the tip of – and they even show him, like, turn and smile at her. <laughs> yeah, it's not like they hit a pocket of turbulent, turbulence, like, on a plane. And, like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I, you know, I got a bump and I, I, I lost my grip for a second. It, and then, once again, I think that's one of those, you know, just it, the movie's going along too nicely. We need a moment of peril. It's sticking in right here. Oh, lose her grip or something like that. So, yeah, that, I think the, the losing the grip, I think, got me a little bit more than the reading my mind. But they were both kind of weird. You know what? I, I would have accepted the losing the grip, and I, I would have been fine with that. The can you read my mind is such a change of pace. It's yeah. such a odd part in the middle of the... And it is literally in the middle of this movie. Right, right. And I don't know if they're just trying to... If they're trying to make it more romantic than it needed to be, and just... You know. Oh yeah, so romantic because right before they went on this flight, she asked him what color panties she yes. was wearing, <laughs> and he looked. Let's yes. not forget that. Yeah, he looked. Yeah. That that was one of the uncharacteristic parts of <laughs> Superman. Is you know when it's one thing when she asked and he did it just to you know oblige 
her okay. asking, and then it was like, oh, this planner must be made out of lead, and they tied all that in. But then just a few minutes later, he goes, pink. <laughs> yeah, which kind of goes back to, like, we talked about in the full episode, the duality of Superman and Clark Clint, Clark, ah, Clark Kent, and how, you know, they're not really the same, I mean, really not the same person. Clark Kent is really like this good old boy, you know, all shucks kind of person that persona. But in that scene, Superman was not as wholesome as we want him to be. <laughs> no, but it also uh, goes to further a point you made in the episode where you talked about the infatuation that he immediately has with Lois. Yeah, yeah. Which I still don't, you know, we still don't have an answer to that. But it was very evident from first contact which makes it like, had he been stalking her two weeks before that opening scene or what? Because he definitely knew who she was and wanted to be close to her at all times. Yeah, and that the the initial interview before they take off uh, flying is like it's very unprofessional for Lois. Right, right. I mean, she 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 asks a question that kind of implies like, does everything work the way it's supposed to? Yeah, that was yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, because then he was like, "Do you eat?" Like it was just, it was, it was weird. Like, of course, as a kid, went way over my head. Uh, but watching it again, I was like, "Wow, she was really being forward in that interview," and he was really playing oblivious, or he just yeah. didn't want to answer. <laughs> All right, so so moving on, we've hit that. That's again, I can't believe we. We completely skipped over it. I mean, I can. It's I, I love to forget that part of the movie. But I also felt, listening back to the Superman episode, that we didn't really hit the ending um, a lot. We did talk about him reversing time and whatnot, but I also went back and said, but what about him actually repairing the San Andreas Fault? Yeah, because that was a big portion of that rescue scene before... Lois running out of gas. I mean, he had, uh, you know, he once we talked about, he, or we forgot to talk about him repositioning the missile that was headed to Jersey. We, it seems that he launched it into space, but we don't really know what happened at that point. Uh, but well, then and there's he, another thing I, I'd love to go back and listen. I swear that <laughs> they talked about one of the miss that the missile he was tracking was headed West. I think they said, but then hmm. it's supposed to be going towards New Jersey and that was confusing. I could have heard them wrong. Uh, yeah. I think I was more distracted by the fact that it was John Ratzenberg who was saying all of this. <laughs> right. Oh, man. You just you, you just took me to another scene, but we'll, we'll come back to that. Uh, <laughs> so, well, I, I think we, we talked about this somewhat in the full episode about not really knowing where – about Metropolis being not the real United States in different you know cities. Yeah. But it – logically the missiles would have been launched kind of from the middle of the United States to whatever the United States are called in Superman's world, because one would go East to Jersey and one would go West to what we know as the Hoover dam, but you said they didn't ever call it the Hoover dam. They just called it the dam. Mm -hmm. um, because we were trying to figure out why if it was going East, was it in so much desert? Cause he was, he was flying through de yeah. desert. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, um, but my thing about the missiles is that whether they came from California or as you're saying, they came from middle America somewhere in a silo, you know, buried underground, 
Clark, Superman, left from Metropolis, which appears to be New York. He was in a subway. Right. He leaves from that to fly after it, yet he ends up chasing it. He ends up behind it, and he's he even struggles to catch up with it. So how does right. he... Shouldn't he be heading towards it if he's yep. flying from New York? How does he end up that far behind it? And even so, how does he end up in what appears to be desert? Right, exactly. So... I guess what we're saying is there is no north, south, east, or west in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. back back to the 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 fault. Right. So he he stops the original missile. Right. He launches it up into space. And he flies where we think west, but we really don't know because there is no directions. Yes. He he you know just <laughs> dives back down. He does. He unfortunately is not able to stop the other missile. It explodes. Mm-hmm. And sets off this huge earthquake. Uh, the fault starts to separate in a very, you know, practical model look. Yeah. yeah. And then we see Superman dive straight into the, I guess it was the San Andreas Fault. Mm-hmm. We then proceed to see something that makes absolutely no sense, if you ask me. And that is him just flying just above, I guess, the molten core. Right, right. Right. And he does that for a long time? Yeah. I, I didn't know if that was... I didn't know if he was starting one place and trying to get to where it actually separated, or if that was just how long of a stretch of the fault had already separated. I don't know if they were trying to imply that he was trying to cool it, because we know that Superman has freeze breath, but... And this is another thing we didn't bring up in in the major episode. His heat vision and his freeze breath are not used in this movie. Yeah, yeah. When you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot he, he has that, but he didn't use it at all that I could remember. But, yeah, that and see, that would have made more sense if he was, well, I guess you don't want to you don't want to freeze the Earth's core if that's what keeps it going. Um, but he's cooling it down. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, at least to keep himself from burning up. I mean, in this alliteration of Superman, he's obviously fireproof because if he's flying that close to heat, he, you know, nothing catches on fire. Um, which goes back to a question I forgot to pose in the last episode too, is Lex makes the statement that Superman is not fast enough to stop both missiles. But yet when he turns the earth backwards, he's obviously flying incredibly fast and much faster that he would be able to get to both missiles in time. So, yeah, I forgot to mention that, but I'm glad I got a chance to do it right now. Yeah. So, so we see him again flying, which it, this for a movie that has the pitch, you'll believe a man can fly. And as much as the flying scenes are amazing, right? This scene of him just coasting inside of the fault really just mm-hmm. looks like Christopher Reeve is lying on top of a skateboard and someone just pushed him. Yeah. Yeah. And then that brings us to the moment where, and I don't know where he ends up going or what he decides to do. It's an awesome shot yeah. of Superman then lifting, essentially, Earth's crust. Right. Back now, how it, yeah, how it seals back. Uh, I love it's really just a reverse shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to say that. They just You see it crumbling, and now we reverse it because like it came back to where it was. Yeah. 
Yeah, because this isn't him reversing time. This is just him lifting the Earth up and fixing it. Right. He doesn't build anything underneath to 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 support it, uh, to sustain it, to staying back together, unless he, you, I don't know, unless he used some power we didn't see. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because again, we do not see the use of heat vision or freeze breath in this movie. Yeah, because I do know that there is um, the extended deleted scene where when Clark or Superman goes to find Lex, there are a series of booby traps before Superman actually knocks down that door. Gotcha. Yeah, so we just didn't see it, but he did use it. So those were the ones that really stuck out to me. Were, were there anything else that you thought of or while we've had this conversation you have thought of? Yeah, so you mentioned John Ratzenberg's voice. So we didn't talk about the J.R. Ewing cameo in this movie. You know who J.R. Ewing is from the show Dallas? Yes. And the- I'm, I'm, yes. I'm honestly, as many times as I've seen this movie, do I not remember his cameo? Yeah, yeah so when Lex and... Uh, Miss Tessmacher and Ned Badia. His name is escaping. Uh, Otis. What's, Otis, yeah. When Lex, Otis, and Miss Tessmacher are trying to steal the missiles, I think the first one they use is where uh, Lex flips over the car and it looks like it's damaged and Miss Tessmacher is laying in the middle of the road in her beautiful red dress. Yeah. Like, uh, like, trying to look all sexy. So he is the sergeant that comes and says he's going to give mouth-to-mouth Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Larry Hagman right there. I don't know why it didn't register when you said it. Once you described the scene, I'm picturing him. Yeah, there's Larry Hagman. Which was which was act which was a very funny scene. It was it was interesting for you know, of course at that time being on Dallas, he was a very serious character. So he didn't play something a little more comical I thought was actually was actually pretty well maybe that was before that might have been before Dallas. Dallas was like early eighties. Well, even if, even if um, you know, he goes all the way back to "I Dream of Genie," so right, oh yeah. So he did have his comic chops. So anyway, it was just a funny scene. I enjoyed it, but I yeah, but I, I was a little shocked. I was like, wait a minute, I know who that is. I didn't expect to see him in this movie. So uh, I thought that was an interesting little uh, cameo there. Yeah, no. I once you described it, I, I remembered that that is him. Um, but no, the John Ratzenberger, I, I don't think I realized it was him until probably more recently. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's all he is. He's the, the ensign or whoever that is the one watching the, the missiles. Yeah. I'd say I didn't catch, I didn't catch him. On, so you missed one. I missed one. So it's all good. We're all even. <laughs> all right. So hopefully we have fleshed out all of the, uh, holes that I'm sure some of our listeners even went, well, how did they not talk about that? <laughs> Oh, hopefully we have, you know, I, but hey, that's a great thing for these mini episodes is so that we can fill in some of those holes. Um, you know, sometimes you just get to talking and you, you skip over parts of the movie. It happens. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it. There's uh, s- some more for you to consider when it comes to Superman the movie. Please leave us a positive review and you can email us at movingpanels at gmail.com if you'd like to suggest a topic for these mini-episodes. And thank you, Tim. Uh, You can follow Tim 
with the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's a great little show where he talks about 80s movies. You can also look up his Facebook group, the Movie Views News and Reviews, and always get some good up-to-date reviews from him and some of his other followers. And so thank you, Tim, for joining me. Appreciate it, Larry. It's always great to be a part of a good episode or mini-episode. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem. For Moving Panels, I'm Laramie Wells, and I'll see you on the other side of the page. Hello, movie viewers and fellow movie lovers. My name is Tim Williams, and I'm the creator and host of Movie Views Presents the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. See, I love the 80s, and I have a great appreciation and nostalgic passion for the classic 80s flicks that birthed my love for movies and ultimately helped shape my childhood. On each episode, I'll discuss, with a special guest co-host, of course, a different film from the 1980s. We'll share memories, favorite characters, iconic scenes, and even share some behind-the-scenes stories along the way. We'll discuss famous blockbusters like Raiders of the Lost Ark, Coming to America, Ghostbusters, Dirty Dancing, Top Gun, Die Hard, and many, many more, as well as some other cult classics and even lesser-known flicks we discovered on cable TV or the now-defunct video rental stores. Remember those? No matter what 80s flick we choose to talk about, we'll always have a good time, so come and check us out. You can find the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast on major podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and more. Be sure to subscribe or follow so you don't miss a single episode. Once again, I'm Tim Williams, and I hope you'll join me for the next 80s Flick Flashback.